Children are like dogs. It's okay. Welcome to Charlotte Mason Says. I'm John Schindel, here with my wife, Crystal. Join us as we read and discuss the home education series. So next we talk about infant habits. And so she starts off here. She says the whole group of habitudes, half physical and half moral, on which the property, oh, sorry, on which the propriety and comfort of everyday life depend are received passively by the child. That is, he does very little to form these habits himself, but his brain receives impressions from what he sees about him. And these impressions take form as his very own as his own very strongest and most lasting habits. I think here infant refers to up to about three or four. I could believe that. Where you're you're in the nursery, yeah. you're with the, the nanny or the governess, and and that's that's before you start doing any extra stuff. We need to get us a nanny or a governess. Okay. That's the next on the list of things. <laughs> <laughs> So she says cleanliness, order, neatness, regularity, punctuality are all branches of infant education. And they should be happening around them like the air that they breathe. And so that he learns them unconsciously. Yeah. So these are habits that the nurse should have so that the baby just does it because that's what life is. They, They grow up. In this way. Yeah. Have you noticed it's easier to do these things with your younger children because the older ones are modeling that? Like, yes. Getting dressed, brushing yes. teeth, like all the daily habits are so much easier with the children that follow, like the first one or two. Like, my two year old, he is so good at just doing these things that my first son would have never done it too. But it's because he's seen everybody else doing it, just like the air that he breathes right. he, he does it like he'll he'll go feed the dog he's two and a half like okay thanks i appreciate that you know yeah well and i think like crystal was saying with with our twins and and lily's ability to put her own clothes on i think that's that's one of the reasons why we see that is because she's been watching her siblings do it her entire life and her older mm-hmm. sisters do it they change into dresses and Three, she loves five times a day <laughs> she loves her dresses now Learned um, behavior, and it, it again goes back to one of the three pillars of education is atmosphere. Yeah, and this mm-hmm. is the atmosphere. And when you have your firstborn, that atmosphere is not there because you're learning yeah. as a parent. <laughs> the child is learning how to, you know, just be a, a person. That's true. Yeah, but there's so many, th- so many things that you do with your firstborn that you're like, how how are we going to do this? How are we going to make this work? I, our firstborn got a bath every night. Because that was a part of the routine. My children get baths maybe once a week now. Because that's not part of our routine. Yeah, if they're lucky. Which we're going to get to that in a bit. Because cleanliness is on her list. So, yep. (laughs) But it's hardly necessary to say a word about... Cleanliness. Hardly necessary to say a word about cleanliness. That's what she says. I'll cut out the uh, necessity for. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just, we'll we'll kindly edit her so that she's right. (laughs) 
so that she applies to my life. Right, because that's what this is all about. Yep. So cleanliness, and then she talks about the odors. And there's a section in Parents and Children where she goes on and on about the sense of smell. Yeah, she... And how important it is and how to train it. And she's going, these nurses don't know that an open window is a good thing, and they don't know that these odors can make the child sick. Yeah, they keeping the child shut up in a closed in a closed room all the time with no fresh air is is not good. Which we've talked about that quite a bit, so I'm not going to talk about how changing of air inside is a is an industry standard at this point mm-hmm. in the building and construction <laughs> world. Because I've I've said it multiple times, so I'm not going to put anybody through the uh, the drudgery through the drudgery of that. Because as as interesting <laughs> as I know it is to me, and it's something smell is something that you can train them from that early age to notice the habit of and how the room smells. That's true. Yeah, and she she says uh, in the next section she says the baby is ubiquitous, which is I look and I look at that word and I read it. I know how to pronounce it. It means present, appearing, or found everywhere. Thank you. I was going to look it up on the internet, but you have it in front of you. I do. <laughs> Thanks to the, what is this that? This is the Charlotte Mason Plenary Annotated Edition. The annotated Edition. I'll plug she, that thing for all she it's put, worth. <laughs> she put the uh, definition right there next to the book. That's a, that's a, what, next to the? Or right there next to the, the writing. The writing. Okay. Sorry, you said book. I'm thinking, well, but it's in the book. How is it next to the book? Never mind. With this, it, it says that he not only sees everything and knows everything, but will keep for all his life the mark of all he sees. You know, and it's crazy too. again, kind of going back to your first one, you think about it. My first child, I did not think he saw everything or perceived everything. You know, I kind of thought he was just existing, you know, but then yeah. as I've spent more time with children because I really was not a baby person or a kid person, you know? And so the more that I spent time with my kids and just learning about them and then the prior children after I realized like at how young of an age they really pick up on stuff. They do. They know what is going on. And it's, it's crazy. That's that's exactly what I say about our firstborn. Also, I, I, I did. I dog sat growing up. I didn't have anything to do with babies. I wasn't even babysitting, but he was just so smart, so mm-hmm. early. Yeah. Well, it's it's something that Charlotte Mason talked about in Parents and Children, and I don't remember for the life of me where, but she talked about how the child's whole world is these four walls and mom and dad, and mm-hmm. that's it. And they become masters of their small world because, well, we all become masters of our world. But we as adults, we have so many different pieces of our world going on that we're not we're not masters of any specific thing because we only have but so much time to devote to all of those things. And so uh, she she talked about that extensively is that the child the child watches you because you're the only thing your child has to watch. And they learn about you and how the house works because that's their entire world. There is nothing else. Mm-hmm. Which was, uh, it was an interesting thing to me because, yeah, you, you, you learn quickly as a parent that children are really smart. 
And they pick up on yeah. all kinds of things. Like the fact that I mom's going to let you watch another show. <laughs> yeah, right? You feel the gravity of it, too. It's yeah. like, wow, like, wait a minute. This, what I do, and it really matters. And I think this whole habit training thing, it really is not so much about them as it's about you and mm-hmm. what you do and how you model it. And my husband always say that we have one child in particular who is the mirror image of how we are parenting. So if we are parenting well, he is very balanced. He's very easygoing, but if we are falling short, you can see it in his attitude and his behavior. Interesting. Um, and it's it is it's 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 horrifying to be honest. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that that is that is both amazing <laughs> and terrifying at the same time. Yeah, yeah. To see it to see it so easily rec- uh, reflected. Yeah. Yeah, if we're calm and we're balanced and we're even keeled and we're level headed about, you know, stress in the house and just, you know, little things that, that come up like, oh, somebody spilled something or somebody did this, you know. And if we're frazzled and frantic, this child is frazzled and frantic. And but if we're calm, he's calm. And so we're always just making sure, like, okay, where are we at? Kind of. And it's, yeah. Let's look at crazy. our barometer. How are yeah. you doing, yeah. kid? <laughs> okay, we're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing to know, at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gosh. All right. So we move on to the next section. She talks about personal cleanliness as an early habit. And she talks about how all kinds of things need to be clean. She says the nursery table, if there be one, should be kept as scru- as scrupulously nice as that of the dining room. Which means our dining room is supposed to be scrupu- scrupulously nice also. The child... <laughs> well, I, I think it all, all of these things go to a, a level that you are getting them accustomed to. That's where true. Where if the level of the house is, you know, the level of the dining room is spotless, the tablecloth is washed, the tablecloth is pressed... You should not lower your standards for the nursery table. You should not lower your standard for the children. No, that makes sense. If you don't want to play with a or uh, use a discolored metal spoon, don't give it to the kids. If you're not going to use um, a broken teapot, don't just hand it off to the kids because they deserve the best also. So it's more of a an overarching hold yourself and hold them to the same standard. Teach them that they can keep it they can keep care of their fingernails because that's how they're supposed to do it. They can brush their hair. That's how they're supposed to do it. And allow them to learn how to do it themselves. And I I, I think here is one of the places that she actually agrees with Maria Montessori where children's things should not be the dumping place of the house. It shouldn't be that they play with all the broken things, the rundown things. Right. It's that they deserve the same quality as the adults. And if they can do it, they need to learn how to do it themselves. Yeah. So one of the lines I really liked here, it's the the very last one on the page, 127. It's, it's important that this habit of the daily bath should be formed before the reckless era of school life begins. She just she calls it a reckless era of school life, and and I just I don't know, I like that. 
Well, <laughs> it makes total sense because there's a lot going on. When when you start school, everything's you're adding more academics, you're yeah. adding more the handicrafts and the music and mm-hmm. everything is so if you don't already take a daily bath. Hmm. All those daily baths we're supposed take. to take. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely get a lot of them when you're a mom too, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. All those daily baths. Oh, man. So, yeah. <laughs> Personal cleanliness. I guess teach your children how to be clean or how to clean themselves. But it's a it's a good habit to to get into. Mm. So then we move on to modesty and purity. And she I this this is a section that I don't know I I don't I don't agree with everything she says here. And I'm not quite sure why. Uh, she says, uh, the operations of bath afford the mother opportunities to give necessary teaching and training in habits of decency and a sense of modesty. To let her child live and grow in Eden-like simplicity, or nudity in other words, is perhaps the most tempting and natural course to the mother. But alas, we do not live in the garden. And it may be well that the child should be trained from the first to, be, to the conditions under which he is to live. Which I, that makes sense, mm-hmm. although there are there's a, a growing community that I know supports uh, less modest behaviors in the family, um, where nudity is not a thing that is really that big of a deal. Uh, we ran into that a lot when we were doing when we were going through the the home birth. Um, through home births and midwives and birth centers and getting into the uh, crunchier side of things. Um, So I I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm torn because modesty is good and it's right. And there's a place for it. There's, there's also the other side of that, that, that we've, I, I don't, I don't know that, that we've, we've put the body on a pedestal and, and and uh, uh, yeah, well, words, and, aren't, words and aren't coming right what, now. What what we've done through the years is, you know, it it is a time to teach about you know no this is this is private this is for you, mm-hmm. and uh, bodily autonomy and you know people are not supposed to be messing with you in these places people are not supposed to to want to see them, but not in a way that makes them feel bad about it. Where, where, you know, as a, as a baby in the summer, they're out in just a diaper in our front yard. Whereas now my daughter's, you know, four, that's in the backyard. And as, as they're getting older, it gets to the point of what is appropriate to have clothing wise in, in public and, and, and how that works. And our son has started being like, no, I want to go change in the bathroom. Like, Okay. Go change in the bathroom. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a, that's a part of growing up and a part of becoming more aware of your body. And yeah. And again, this is the Victorian era. And yeah. that's not. I, I don't think they had little naked little babies running around. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I do like where she goes. She says in the age of unquestioning obedience, let him know 
that not all of his body does Almighty God allow him to speak of, think of, display, handle, except for purposes of cleanliness. Which, again, just the, the language there is is very Victorian. And, and it's not, like I said, it's not all bad. And it, it's, no. it's just, it, I don't know. There's, I feel like there's, there's a lot more to this um, than she goes into in this paragraph. And, and there are a lot of people who do things in many different ways. So it's kind of more of a societal type of the times teaching. Yeah. I think that's what rubs me wrong with this. Mm -hmm. Well, just, I mean, just going over basic hygiene with your children too, you know, is nice. Just, you know, we wash our hands after we go to the bathroom and, you know, it's polite to close the door when you're going to the bathroom. That's a big (laughs) problem when you've got three boys. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. We haven't worked on that skill yet. No, we haven't. We <laughs> haven't worked on the closing the bathroom door or the uh, when the bathroom. Well, no, we have worked. We on, have worked on that one. If the, the bathroom, bathroom door is closed, you have to knock. Yeah, you don't just open yeah. up the bathroom door. <laughs> yeah. So I have my my two year old. He has this weird obsession with my hair. It's like his comfort, like Linus and his blanket. You know what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> when I'm in the bathroom, he's shoving his hands underneath the door, going. Mama hair. Oh, Mama no. hair. <laughs> You're fine. Leave me alone. Oh, no. <laughs> two seconds. Give me two seconds. Oh, that's terrible. Seriously. It is. It is. But yeah, those are just good. It's just good conversations to be having with mm-hmm. your kids that as they grow up. Yeah. It needs to be addressed. And she, <laughs> she even goes into doing this intentionally, you know, every birthday, you know, talking about different things and using birthdays as a trigger for you. To be able to be like, oh, yeah, we do need to talk about this. We do need to talk about purity. We do need to talk about mm-hmm. cleanliness habits. And to Especially see. Especially when they become teenagers. Yeah. yeah. I, I started talking, you know, we, we started talking about sweating. And I was like, hey, by the way, Bob, when you get older, you're going to have to wear deodorant. You don't have to right now, but you will have to. Like planting that seed. Because you will. When you stink, you will get deodorant. <laughs> So, we're gonna have a lot of bo in our house. (laughs) It's gonna smell like foot. (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, and then order being essential. Talking about again, this is the the cracked cups, the chip plates, the jugs that are fractured. Those you you don't just dump them on the kids and let them play with them. Give them good quality things, and then they'll treat them as their quality things. So they mm-hmm. do learn to be careful as opposed to just throwing them around. Especially nowadays in a day and age where everything is very easily to replace. Yes. Too. I mean, things are such a, like a dime a dozen, you know. My, <laughs> my son got this one. Uh, he had to have this Indoraptor, you know, Jurassic Park Indoraptor toy, <laughs> right? And, and, of course, Christmas Day, the leg broke. Yep. And I said, I said to him, well, Levi, I can return it and I can replace it. And he's like, no, I don't want to because he didn't want to give it up because he knew if he had to give it up, he had to, you know, give it away for a couple of days. He's like, I'll just pretend it has an invisible leg. <laughs> 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 and so he uses this piece of wood where her like prop up this dinosaur and it's like missing a leg (laughs) nice (laughs) but i was like well you know at least it's not like you don't want to get rid of it it means something to you yeah that's true that's true (laughs) and and i think there's a there's a place for them learning how to make do 
and a mm-hmm. place for them learning how to, you know, make toys out of whatever they have. Right. As well as a place for giving them quality things. Yeah. So as well as a place for this is a toy that you've played with for a long time. It's now broken. It needs to go away. Yeah. Because that's another that's another important thing is to be able to say goodbye to things that are broken and no longer hold the value that they once did is to be able to throw those things away or to, yeah. to move on yeah. to something else. So not to say that your child needs to move on from his one legged dinosaur. <laughs> Because He's it's, got it's issues. Kind of Trust fun. me. <laughs> he saves everything. You know, she talks about it made me laugh because she talks about the scattered toys and the like the faded <laughs> nosegays and things like that. He is a hoarder. He's a straight up hoarder. Oh, man. And once a month I have to he collects everything because he can make something. He could be an inventor. He could say, Mom, I want to vent something genius. And that's what he does. And he's over there hot glue gunning chicken feathers together. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> he's like, yep. I made something. I'm making something. Scrap metal everywhere. I can't handle it because I really don't like the clutter and the mess. And my husband's like, it really means something to him, Ken. So I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Mom, why can't I hot glue gun this together? I'm like, because it's plastic and a piece of metal and it just doesn't fit. And you're like trying to explain these things. Like, mm. no matter what you stick on this thing, it's just not going to work. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It is. So it is. how do you... How how do you deal with the the need for order and allowing that creativity? Do you have a closet for him or? We got him one of those little three drawer uh, things that has wheels on it and it, you can move it, you know? So that's oh, all nice. his clutter in there. Little rippy bits of paper, little pieces of, I don't know, dental floss. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> he finds is in this thing and if it's in there then it's safe but if it's out somewhere he knows it could be gone you're gonna throw it away (laughs) nice yeah oh man he kills me sometimes i mean he comes up with some really cool stuff you know but at the same time i'm like i can't you know and then you have more kids too the clutter just multiplies even more Mm -hmm. because one person totally someone saying saving you know lollipop wrappers that's a big one every time we go to the bank they want to save the lollipop wrappers because you could make something with this. And I'm like, guys, it just has to go to the trash. Like, no, mom, we need this. The next thing I know, there's three or four little lollipop wrappers laying around. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you know this yet, but Ian started collecting the applesauce lids. The the little the little squeeze pouch applesauce lids from Costco. Oh god. Which (laughs) are the two year olds go through and he he decided he's collecting them, but he has his own box. Yeah. And if they're in the box, we go through their box every so often and be like, okay, do you really want this? Your box is yeah. full. <laughs> you can't but, add more to it. But <laughs> he's collecting them. I don't get it. That's funny. It's weird. It's weird. But so, I, again, it goes back to respecting them as people. That's what they want to keep. Yeah. And yeah. said, you know, sometimes we are sentimental about the scattered toys. No, they can be sentimental about their own scattered toys. But we can't allow that habit to grow on him. And you're you're allowing the habit of it needs a proper place to yeah. grow on him. And that's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's a it's a good thing for children to learn that there's a there's a proper place for things and the things go in that place. And if they're not in that place, mm, they might not be there. 
Mom gets the trash bag out. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Oh, man. Well, she goes on. She says the child of two should be taught to get and and replace his playthings. Begin early. Let it be a pleasure to him. Part of his play to open his cupboard and put back the doll or the horse, each in its own place. Let him always put away his things as a matter of course. And I, I, it, I think the, the choice of words here is interesting. She says, let him always put away his things. Now, she em- or in, in our version, she, the, the word always is emphasized. But I think, I think the let him always. It's not you're making him, you're letting him. Yeah. Which is a, a, a change of mindset, I think, mm-hmm. from at least from, from the way that Make him do it. Right. Versus let him do it. Hey, guys, it's time to put the toys away. You need to do it. It's like it's your, it's your job. It's the necessity. I'm making you do this. Like, no, you're joining in. This is this is your opportunity to continue the play of your toys. And this is a part of using your toys is putting them away. Mm-hmm. The Children's Museum that we have here in town has that posted a couple of places, you know. Putting things away is a part of play. You know, mm. make sure the things get back where they belong. And that's something yes. I, I've tried to teach. And again, it's it's not a habit that I have necessarily. So it's hard for me to teach that habit to them. But even, you know, when, when we finish making something, part of the task of making something is putting our tools away. Yeah. Part yeah. of the task of getting out the coloring papers is putting the crayons and markers away that you, yeah. and yeah. that's, that's something I need to work on so I can follow up with them and have them learn it also. Yeah. That's what I do with my one really creative child. He's like, mom, can I do this, this, and this? I'm like, I don't, I don't mind, but you have to clean it up mm-hmm. complete by yourself without my help. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I'll do it. You know? So, and if not, get yourself a few dogs that eat toys because that'll really get your kids. Oh. You know, <laughs> That's a good idea. I don't know if you can see that one right there. Right there. (laughs) Ah, He eats everything. He eats everything. So my kids know if they have something nice that they don't want to be eaten by Wego, they need to clean it up. You got to put it away. That's funny. (laughs) And it's not even you. Nice. It's the dog. And it's just a natural consequence. You don't pick it up, the dog eats it. (laughs) He's going to eat it. Oh, that's that's hilarious. (laughs) Nice. All right, so that was neat. Uh, that was order. So everything needs to be ordered. Next, she talks about neatness, and it's akin to order, but it's not quite the same thing. It implies not only a place for everything and everything in its place, but everything in a suitable place, so as to produce a good f, uh, so as to produce a good effect. I.e., taste is coming into play. You you don't just put your flowers in water, in whatever cup you find. Or I, I think this was funny. She says, uh, or some hideous pink vase. <laughs> <laughs> Tells you what Charlotte Mason thought about pink. Um, mm-hmm. But but if you have a if you have a bouquet of flowers, you have to arrange them in a nice manner in the proper vase in the proper way. You don't just toss them in a cup and leave them be. I thought that was interesting. So so not only not only does the house need to be ordered, it it needs to be. It needs to be neat and and right. put in a way that's aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm having a hard time moving from 
college dorm room, early apartment <laughs> decor to, no, I'm an adult. I am in my 30s now. I have young children. I need to make this be a home, make this be a mm-hmm. place that I want to come home to that is aesthetically pleasing that I would love to see. And when we moved into this house in July, I said, okay, in the living room are my pictures. There are going to be no uh, homeschool posters in the living room, no kids posters, no, none of that is going in the living room. And so far I've mostly done a pretty good job of that. I think so. We've, we've Mm -hmm. had a couple pieces of art go up in a couple different places, but for the most part, yeah, our living room is, they have, it has paintings and, and other things on the wall Mm -hmm. that are nice. Mm -hmm. Their room, they've got all of their pictures that they want to hang up. And the kitchen has a couple of the like the ABCs and and that kind of poster. But the living right. room, I was like, nope, this one room <laughs> will be done nicely. Yeah. And again, she she brings up what a lot of people do as uh, art study, um, picture study, is this having refining, elevating, well-chosen pieces of art available for them to see mm-hmm. and not allowing nothing vulgar in the way of print, picture book, or toy. So there's the, the twaddly stuff. Yeah, get the, get the twaddle out. Uh, regularity. Um, and this is, again, probably a time and place recommendation about putting the child to bed and letting them cry there's a lot of sleep training stuff out there and not sleep training, and I'm not even going to get into that debate. Right. This so, is not the podcast for sleep training. But rhythm and consistency is important. Yes. Especially in young children's lives. Yeah. And I think there's so much to be said for making sure your children get good sleep. It is a gift to have sleep, you know? Yes. And to, to be consistent in those areas. that This is the time that we wake up, and this is the time we go to bed, and not... You know, running home late from something, throwing them into bed, brush your teeth quick, you know, and then go to sleep, you know, and the next day they're exhausted. They're burnt out. Mm -hmm. It's not fair to them. They can't handle that irregularity. Yeah. Well, and and if they get into that good habit, then that's something that will serve them for the rest of their lives in that sleep Mm -hmm. is important and they have that habit of sleep being important. That's something that will stick with them. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's so re- regenerative too, you know, for your body when you yeah. get good sleep, your health, you know. Um, so I think however you choose, you know, exactly. to come to that conclusion yeah. of sleep, it is a gift. It really is a gift. Absolutely. <laughs> and then it, and once you have the habit, you can occasionally break it. You can stay up really late one night for a special yeah. occasion. But I mean, even our, our kids' bedtime is around 7.30 and we start bedtime. Honestly, we, we really started at dinner time where it's, you know, we have dinner, then we get our pickup and we have jammies and then we have devotions mm-hmm. and then bed. And one time we went out after dinner to go see um, uh, the, the lights, lights, the Christmas yeah. lights. And on our way home, it was only like eight o'clock. But our oldest, our seven-year-old, was like, Mom, I am supposed to be in bed right now. I am so tired. I'm just... And I was like, you're seven. This is this is not very late. But 
he was just done and he wanted that yeah. rhythm and routine. Yeah. Yeah. So, because, so important. Yeah, because he's so in the habit of sleeping then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. And she turns back to Dr. Carpenter again, um, talking about regularity. Now, who, who's Dr. Carpenter? He did the, the, the mental, oh, goodness, what was the name of his book? It's the one that she thanked in the introduction. Oh. That's that guy. Oh, okay, that Dr. Carpenter, okay. <laughs> he's he's the one that she studied for a mental, while. Mental physiology. All right. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. I wasn't there at all. <laughs> so, yeah, back to him. She And like she said, she pulled a ton of habit stuff from him and his, and his work. I feel like that pretty much... Well, she closes out the section here. She says, The habit of regularity is as attractive to older children as to the infant. The days when the usual program falls through are, we know, the days when the children are apt to be naughty. And and that's something I see in our in our home is that when we do have a good solid routine, when we break that routine is when things go haywire. Mm-hmm. And I think, right? Well, and we've talked about it. <laughs> Monday is always a really hard day for us. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it. It's like, well, because you you form the routine through. Monday through Friday, dad goes out of the house and works. Y'all do things at the home and each day has its own rhythm in the rhythm of the week. And then we hit Saturday and I'm home and, and no one Saturday is like the, the next Saturday because we do different things and we do different stuff. And even though every Sunday is different or every Sunday is really similar one to the next, it's so different than the rest of the week that Monday hits and you're back at the normal routine but you've now been out of that normal routine for two whole days. Mm-hmm. And so the children just are, they're all over the place. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, that's something that, that I, I, I truly agree with Charlotte Mason on is that when you do start breaking that hat or those, those routines, that's when things get weird. One thing <laughs> they did a six day school week. They, they did school on Saturdays. I could believe it. And where it was that full six days and then the one day of rest. Yeah. So. I, I think it's weird. I truly do think that having two days of rest with the children throws them off. Yeah. So therefore, I'm going to start taking Saturdays and just not be at home. Cool. Cool. All right. We're good. Means you're going to be doing school with the kids on Saturdays, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's your day of teaching. Mm, mm, this I did not agree to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> physical exercise. The importance of daily physical exercise. And she's talking about the pleasure of light and easy motion. Dancing, drill, calisthenics, some sort of judicial physical exercise. She brings up Swedish drill. And Swedish drill is... I guess being brought back, there's somebody who has a Swedish drill book and program. And it's a lot of natural movements that you do intentionally. Oh, okay. So I, my, my thought process when I hear that is like what the, the Japanese or, or Asian countries used either used to or do still do where they have, you know, the stretching before the workday. Where everyone in the company is out doing the stretches. Oh, Toyota was known for that. 
where where you would do stretches and and some basic martial art movements. Yeah. That that type of thing. That's that's what it always brings to mind when I think of that. Where it's you know, it's not a very long thing. It's not really even a thing to make you sweat, but it's something to get your body moving. Right. It is a thing. Interesting. I hadn't I hadn't made that connection. Okay. And I I read somewhere in somewhere online somebody who started doing it with their children and then asked them later, you know, what do you think about it? He's like, well, it makes my brain work at the same time as making my body work. Ooh. So it's it's bridging that physical mental connection as well. <laughs> my hus- my husband and I always joke that uh having kids is like having dogs with um Caesar Milan. He always says that a well-balanced dog is a dog that is first exercised. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is so true with kids. They will be able to focus mm-hmm. more clearly after oh, they've been so, out yeah. and they spend some energy, you know, running and stuff. So it makes sense, though. Yeah, it totally does. Well, some and- people don't want to hear it, but we'd like to joke about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, we've uh, said for a long time that children are like puppies until about the age two. And then they grow a little bit higher than puppies. But they're just like, they're just learning, they're just going, they're just growing, they're just doing things. And if they do it, they're like, oh my goodness, I did that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to. And then they'll do it again. Oh my goodness, I did that. I'm sorry, I wasn't right. supposed to. Just like a puppy. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, children children are like dogs. It's okay. So. <laughs> or dog. Charlotte Mason wrote that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I read that. It was in there. Definitely. <laughs> On page one se- or one thirty-two. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Children, children are like dogs. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. So you do physical. You do good manners. The play mm-hmm. acting of how you talk to people. Play acting of what you do in different situations. Training of your ear and voice, mm-hmm. where it's you're enunciating. And doing big words. Right. Um, Imperturbability. Imperturbability. I got through one of them. (laughs) (laughs) So this this didn't necessarily come through, but when I was recording volume two, I used Google pronunciation <laughs> so much. Yeah. And I would like stop in the middle of the recording and be like, okay, I got to learn how to pronounce this word. <laughs> and it would you know, play on there. And if it was French, then that was another story. Yeah. The French, the French was yeah. fun to, to listen to Crystal. Uh-huh. I, I, yeah. I'm I was wondering when you got to that one paragraph of complete French, how you guys were going to do it. <laughs> Somebody else started speaking. I'm like, that's the way to go. <laughs> It was, I asked my mom, we were, we were with my parents and I was like, Hey mom, you speak German. Can you speak French too? Like, can you just read it? And she's like, well, no, but I have a friend who can. <laughs> and she had left it as a voicemail for us. So I was like, okay, cool. we'll make this work. Right. So I downloaded cool. the voicemail and inserted it in there. It was, <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, music. I didn't look up who Mr. Hula is. He might have made the hoop. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so it's a trained habit. Every child may and should be trained to sing. He's, you know, there's there's the fact that you have music with you and the fact that you 
can learn how to sing and they both right affect it it's it music is one where it's definitely nature and nurture and if mm-hmm. you don't if you're not a musical person you can only get but so far and if you're a musical person if you don't have if you're not nurtured in music you can only get but so far mm-hmm. you have to yeah. be like to to be a good musician you mm-hmm. have to both be a musical person and get musical training yeah. to to come to the to the fullest extent of your of your abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and if you want some free musical training, there is a lady on YouTube. It's called Children of the Open Air, and she does solfa lessons. And she'll work through like the scales with you, and her kids nice. are doing it with you. Yeah, and they'll be like, "We're gonna do an echo. Do you know what an echo is?" And then they go through it. And then they practice and she'll help you learn how to tune your ear. So it's pretty cool, especially for tone deaf people like me. I've never grown up with music, you know, and so it's it's hard to be like, okay, so how do you even go about this? How would I even go about teaching my kids this? My husband, he can play the piano and the guitar. His family was pretty musical. I mean, he was a pastor's kid, so he was musical. (laughs) Kind of have to be be when you're a pastor's kid. Right. But um, but yeah. I didn't, I don't know a lot of this stuff, you know, just the very basic things. So it's what, interesting. To what was that again? Uh, Children of the Open Air. Children of it's the Open YouTube. Air. Okay. Yeah. It's called Solfa. S-O-L-F-A. Interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. She's really sweet. Well, I know one thing for us is we sit down when we do devotions, we have, we have the, the Psalter, which is the, the book of Psalms. To put fit, to, they've been put to music, right? Thank you. They've they've been put to lyric and music, and and it's it's a pretty typical hymn book in that it it's music and words. And so every night we sit down with our kids and we go through a hymn, and so they're they're understanding at least what what music looks like. That's cool. Yeah. So from there we'll be able to go different places. I mean, I I learned I learned to play the violin. My mom was a was a piano teacher for a long time. She tried to teach us the piano and that fell through. But I learned to play the violin and then I picked up the guitar and I, you know, mandolin and all all kinds of different things. Um but but that's one thing that I I always remember is knowing what music looked like. So by the time I was learning how to read it, it wasn't like, "Whoa, what is this? This is weird." Yeah. It, it just <laughs> It just was what it was. So I, I, I think that's important. Uh, and the other thing is, is we did uh, for Advent, we went through Handel's Messiah, mm-hmm. at least portions mm-hmm. of it. And Crystal found a, he found a, the score. Just like the, a, a choral copy, copy of it at a book sale. But the um, Mere Motherhood gal... Oh, Cindy Rollins. Yes. Cindy Rollins did the Advent book for oh, going through the Messiah. And I've had that now yeah. for two seasons. Mm-hmm. And and so being able to sit down, listen to it, and even just, you know, point to the kids where the words are at that point. Yeah. And be like, hey, this is the one you're listening to. Listen to this. You see this? It's doing this number. My voice can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Because that's an impressive piece of music. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she says in conclusion, which by the way, you're never supposed to say in conclusion while you're writing things. But this was a speech. Does that matter? No. 
<laughs> in conclusion, <laughs> in conclusion, <laughs> let me say that the education of habit is successful insofar as it enables the mother to let her children alone, not teasing them with perpetual commands and directions, a running fire of do and don't, but letting them go their own way and grow, having first secured that they will go the right way and grow to fruitful purpose. I, I, I liked I liked that. Well, I, I liked the rest of it. The, Go for it, then. The gardener, it's true, digs about and dungs and prunes and trains the peach tree. But that's only a teeny tiny bit of the tree's life. The rest of the time, it's just growing. With the airs and the sunshine, the rain and the dews, and it's being played about and breathed upon. And, and it gets peaches. And they're good peaches. But if the gardener doesn't do the digging and the pruning in the beginning and then the even just and the letting it grow, you're going to get really bad peaches. Peaches are no better than slows. And I don't know what a slow is. It says this says on Google, it says a small bluish black fruit of the blackthorn with a sharp, sour taste. Sharp and sour peaches are not the what you want for peaches. (laughs) No, that's not a good peach. (laughs) And you don't want sharp or sour children either <laughs> no you don't that's that's very true yeah yeah well, and, and and i think her saying in conclusion is appropriate she's summing up <laughs> this entire part three yes you need habits you need to set these rails in place to make life easier for them yeah but that's not all life is mm-hmm. and and it's it's so that you can live life with them. So you're not constantly on top of them saying, do this, do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. But so you can live life with them while everything is still going in a good direction. So you're giving them these expectations to follow. So they know that they have these guidelines. This is what is expected of me. Mm-hmm. you know. And if I do these things, I'm meeting my parents' expectations. And it's not fair to have unrealistic expectations or not tell them and then all of a sudden turn around and discipline them when they had no idea you know Mm -hmm. it kind of goes back to their personhood you're violating their personhood you know right right cool well any any last thoughts i think we captured all of mine no i think that was good that was good all right i hope it was good i hope we thought it was good (laughs) um before we, we get off, why don't you go ahead and tell us where people can find you and what you do? You can find me on Instagram at Three Little Acorns Academy. Um, I have a little blog, but I'm really bad about keeping up with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hit or miss. It's one of those things that if I have time, I can do it. And if not, it falls to the wayside. So <laughs> mostly Instagram, though. All right. Okay. Well, I know, I know I've followed you. Um, I think I follow you. If I don't, I should. Um, but you do a lot of cool stuff on there. And, and I've, I've enjoyed at least over the last couple of weeks, knowing that we were going to get together with you. It's been, it's been fun to look back through your, your backlog and seeing all the things you yeah. do. So, so definitely uh, to all of our listeners, if you haven't checked out McKinsey at three little acorns Academy yet, definitely do so. She's a, she's a really good follow and, and there's a lot of good stuff on there. Cool. Thank you. All right. Well, yeah. Mackenzie, thank you so much for hanging out with us and, and discussing this. It was great to have you. Yeah, this was fun. Awesome. Oh. Thanks for having me. Hope you guys have a good night. Thank you, you too. You too.
Good night. I'll see you later. Bye. Yep. Bye. Thank you for listening. Join the conversation with us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter.